Hi, my name is Joshua Marsingill. And this is Mary Marsingill. Welcome to the Abundant Encounters podcast, brought to you by Bibles for All Ministries at BiblesForAll.com. What you're about to experience is a practice and meditation that we believe will help you in your daily devotion to receive and celebrate real encounters with the real God. Through the process of increasing our value for encounters, we begin to cultivate a lifestyle of connection with the Trinity. When we sow into God's economy, we reap a plentiful harvest. The seed is the Word of God. The field is our heart. We hope this episode and others will help you push those seeds down even deeper. Water them with your gratitude and adoration so that deep roots and great big fruits grow and grow and grow. Grow so big that there'll be shade for others and you will build a history with the one and only living God. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you We believe you are here with us now. You are here with us. We really love you. Our full affection is for you. We are yours and you are ours. We pray Matthew 18, 18, Father God, that you'd send binding and loosing angels to us right here and they'd bind up every hindrance that would keep us from you and loose every revelation and encounter that you have for us to receive. We are yours, and you are ours. Let's continue our encounter adventure through the Gospel of John. Let the story fill you. Imagine the people in their lives and be there with them. We're reading John chapter 19 through 21 today. We'll be reading chapter 19 and 20 from the message and chapter 21 from the Passion Translation. So Pilate took Jesus and had him whipped. The soldiers, having braided a crown of thorns, set it on his head, threw a purple robe over him, and approached him with, Hail, King of the Jews! Then they greeted him with slaps in the face. Pilate went back out again and said to them, I present him to you, but I want you to know that I do not find him guilty of any crime. Just then, Jesus came out wearing the thorn crown and purple robe. Pilate announced, Here he is, the man. When the high priest and police saw him, they shouted in a frenzy, Crucify! Crucify! Pilate told them, You take him, you crucify him. I find nothing wrong with him. The Jews answered, We have a law, and by that law he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he became even more scared. He went back into the palace and said to Jesus, Where did you come from? Jesus gave no answer. Pilate said, You won't talk? Don't you know that I have the authority to pardon you? and the authority to crucify you? Jesus said, You haven't a shred of authority over me except what has been given to you from heaven. That's why the one who betrayed me to you has committed a far greater fault. At this, Pilate tried his best to pardon him. The Jews shouted him down. 
If you pardon this man, you're no friend of Caesar's. Anyone setting himself up as a king defies Caesar. When Pilate heard those words, he led Jesus outside. He sat down at the judgment seat in the area designated Stone Court in Hebrew, Gabbatha. It was the preparation day for Passover. The hour was noon. Pilate said to the Jews, Here is your king. They shouted back, Kill him. Kill him. Crucify him. Pilate said, I am to crucify your king? The high priest answered, We have no king except Caesar. Pilate caved into their demand. He turned him over to be crucified. They took Jesus away, carrying his cross. Jesus went out to a place called Skull Hill. The name in Hebrew is Golgotha, where they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side. Jesus in the middle. Pilate wrote a sign and had it placed on the cross. It read, Jesus the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read the sign because the place where Jesus was crucified was right next to the city. It was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. The Jewish high priest objected. Don't write, they said to Pilate, the King of the Jews. Make it This man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate said, What I've written, I've written. When they crucified him, the Roman soldiers took his clothes and divided them up four ways, to each soldier a fourth. But his robe was seamless, a single piece of weaving. So they said to each other, Let's not tear it up. Let's throw dice to see who gets it. This confirmed the scripture that said, They divided up my clothes among them and threw dice for my coat. The soldiers validated the scriptures. While the soldiers were looking after themselves, Jesus' mother, his aunt, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene stood at the foot of the cross. Jesus saw his mother and the disciple he loved standing near her. He said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then to the disciple, here is your mother. From that moment, the disciple accepted her as his own mother. Jesus, seeing that everything had been completed so that the scripture record might also be complete, then said, I'm thirsty. A jug of sour wine was standing by. Someone put a sponge soaked with the wine on a javelin and lifted it to his mouth. After he took the wine, Jesus said, It's done, complete. Bowing his head, he offered up his spirit. Then the Jews, since it was the day of Sabbath preparation, and so the bodies wouldn't stay on the crosses over the Sabbath, it was a high holy day that year, petitioned Pilate that their legs be broken to speed death and the bodies taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man crucified with Jesus, and then the other. When they got to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead, so they didn't break his legs. One of the soldiers stabbed him in the side with his spear. Blood and water gushed out. The eyewitnesses to these things has presented an accurate report. He saw it himself and is telling the truth 
so that you also will believe. These things that happened confirm the scripture. Not a bone in his body was broken. And the other scripture that reads, They will stare at the one they pierced. After all this, Joseph of Arimathea, he was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, because he was intimidated by the Jews, petitioned Pilate to take the body of Jesus. Pilate gave permission. So Joseph came and took the body. Nicodemus, who had first come to Jesus at night, came now in broad daylight, carrying a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. They took Jesus' body and, following the Jewish burial custom, wrapped it in linen with the spices. There was a garden near the place he was crucified, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been placed. So because it was Sabbath preparation for the Jews and the tomb was convenient, they placed Jesus in it. Early in the morning on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone was moved away from the entrance. She ran at once to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, breathlessly panting. They took the master from the tomb. We don't know where they put him. Peter and the other disciple left immediately for the tomb. They ran neck and neck. The other disciple got to the tomb first, outrunning Peter. Stooping to look in, he saw the pieces of linen cloth lying there, but he didn't go in. Simon Peter arrived after him, entered the tomb, observed the linen cloth lying there, and the kerchief used to cover his head not lying with the linen cloths but separate, neatly folded by itself. Then the other disciple, the one who had gotten there first, went into the tomb, took one look at the evidence, and believed. No one yet knew from the scripture that he had to rise from the dead. The disciples then went back home. But Mary stood outside the tomb, weeping. As she wept, she knelt to look into the tomb and saw two angels sitting there, dressed in white, one at the head, the other at the foot where Jesus' body had been laid. They said to her, Woman, why do you weep? They took my master, she said, and I don't know where they put him. After she said this, she turned away and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't recognize him. Jesus spoke to her, Woman, why do you weep? Who are you looking for? She, thinking that he was the gardener, said, Mister, if you took him, tell me where you put him so I can care for him. Jesus said, Mary. Turning to face him, she said in Hebrew, Rabboni, meaning teacher. Jesus said, Don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go to my brothers and tell them, I ascend to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went, telling the news to the disciples. I saw the Master, and she told them everything he said to her. Later on that day, the disciples had gathered together, but, fearful 
of the Jews had locked all the doors in the house. Jesus entered, stood among them, and said, Peace to you. Then he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples, seeing the master with their own eyes, were exuberant. Jesus repeated his greeting. Peace to you. Just as the Father sent me, I send you. Then he took a deep breath and breathed into them. Receive the Holy Spirit, he said. If you forgive someone's sins, they're gone for good. If you don't forgive sins, what are you going to do with them? But Thomas, sometimes called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples told him, We saw the Master. But he said, Unless I see the nail holes in his hands, put my finger in the nail holes, and stick my hand in his side, I won't believe it. Eight days later, his disciples were again in the room. This time Thomas was with them. Jesus came through the locked doors, stood among them, and said, Peace to you. Then he focused his attention on Thomas. Take your finger and examine my hands. Take your hand and stick it in my side. Don't be unbelieving. Believe. Thomas said, My master, my God. Jesus said, So you believe because you've seen with your own eyes? Even better blessings are in store for those who believe without seeing. Jesus provided far more God-revealing signs than are written down in this book. These are written down so you will believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and in the act of believing, have real and eternal life in the way He personally revealed it. Chapter 21, The Passion Translation Later, Jesus appeared once again to a group of His disciples by Lake Galilee. It happened one day while Peter, Thomas the twin, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, Jacob, John, and two other disciples were all together. Peter told them, I'm going fishing. And they all replied, We'll go with you. So they went out and fished through the night, but caught nothing. Then at dawn, Jesus was standing there on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize that it was him. He called out to them, saying, Hey guys, did you catch any fish? Not a thing, they replied. Jesus shouted to them, Throw your net over the starboard side, and you'll catch some. And so they did as he said, and they caught so many fish they couldn't even pull in the net. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. When Peter heard him say that, he quickly wrapped his outer garment around him, and because he was athletic, he dove right into the lake to go to Jesus. The other disciples then brought the boat to shore, dragging their catch of fish. They weren't far from land, only about a hundred meters. And when they got to shore, they noticed a charcoal fire with some roasted fish and bread. Then Jesus said, Bring some of the fish you just caught. So Peter waded into the water and helped pull the net to shore. It was full of many large fish, exactly 153, 
but even with so many fish, the net was not torn. Come, let's have some breakfast, Jesus said to them. And not one of the disciples needed to ask who it was, because every one of them knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus came close to them and served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after his resurrection. After they had breakfast, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you burn with love for me more than these? Peter answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I have great affection for you. Then take care of my lambs, Jesus said. Jesus repeated his question the second time. Simon, son of John, do you burn with love for me? Peter answered, Yes, my Lord, you know that I have great affection for you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Then Jesus asked him again, Peter, son of John, do you have great affection for me? Peter was saddened by being asked the third time and said, My Lord, you know everything. You know that I burn with love for you. Jesus replied, Then feed my lambs. Peter, listen. When you were younger, you made your own choices, and you went where you pleased. But one day, when you are old, others will tie you up and escort you where you would not choose to go, and you will spread out your arms. Jesus said this to Peter as a prophecy of what kind of death he would die for the glory of God. And then he said, Peter, follow me. Then Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the disciple who sat close to Jesus at the Last Supper and had asked him, Lord, who is the one that will betray you? So when Peter saw him, he asked Jesus, What's going to happen to him? Jesus replied, If I decide to let him live until I return, what concern is that of yours? You must still keep on following me. So the rumor started to circulate among the believers that this disciple wasn't going to die. But Jesus never said that. He only said, If I let him live until I return, what concern is that of yours? I, John, am that disciple who has written these things to testify of the truth. Jesus did countless things that I haven't included here. And if every one of his works were written down and described one by one, I suppose that the world itself wouldn't have enough room to contain the books that would have to be written. Right before a trip to India, the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night, as he often does with me. I went into my closet slash war room, where I go to be alone, meditate, read the word, and so on. As I opened the door, I heard the Lord ask me to preach the gospel to him. At first, I was a bit shocked, and I could feel disappointment in my own ability to do that, rising up. Excuses like, some are better at that than others, began to present themselves within five seconds' time. However, I feel very safe in my relationship with the Lord, and so I began to tell the story as I knew it. As I told the story, something remarkable happened. What began soft 
increased in volume, increased in boldness, and I could feel the anointing of the gospel. The gospel is anointed. That anointed gospel put strength in my bones. I realized that as I told the story of Jesus and what he did for us, it took over my confidence and brought me higher and higher. I did it again, and then again. I didn't want to stop. Before I knew it, it was 6 a.m. and my day had already begun. Not once during the day did I feel physically tired or mentally exhausted. By day's end, I was thoroughly convinced that the gospel is anointed. Let's try this together with God. Look into the eyes of the passionate Jesus. Make sure you see his kind love for the world, his intention and his confidence. None shall be lost. Now tell the gospel story. Start with what you know and begin to fill in the details as they come. You'll have just two minutes here, so go for the core of the story. If you feel stuck, ask for help from the Holy Spirit. Go ahead, preach yourself happy. Let me guess, that didn't feel like enough time. You likely immediately found a desire to preach a longer, more detailed version. After our podcast, we recommend you continue with Jesus, Holy Spirit, and Father God. Develop this as a regular worship experience with the community of God. Thank you for making the effort. I can honestly thank you because I know that what you are doing by preaching the gospel is what the world needs you to do but it's also a resource I wanted to uncover for you. The gospel is a source of strength that Christians have in this world. When we preach the gospel, atmospheres shift, and we exalt the living God above other things. That's where he belongs. Learn to practice this exercise often. Find extra time to do it. At first, concentrate on the fresh hope it puts in you. It won't be long until this hope is overflowing onto everyone you meet. Most of us haven't understood that carrying heaven in us 
for ourselves is just as important as carrying heaven on us for others. If we don't love ourselves, we won't truly love anyone. Jesus didn't weep because of emotional chaos from within. He wept because he was perfect inside. And when we have fullness inside, the fullness that heaven gladly provides, then we too will be able to feel the pain of the world and respond to it from that place of hope that we have. It will be what heals us. Healing them is what heals us. That's how we love God and others. There's no other way, in fact. This is how Jesus led and served us all. It was because he wasn't needy on the inside. In a world that needs God, we have God, and we have his heavenly supply. Shamelessly push into that supply for the sake of the world. Today might be a big new day, especially if it is the first time you used a prophetic act like this and got pulled into a real encounter with the living God. This determination may reveal how the same God has been encountering you for many years and will eventually reveal how God is really everywhere and in everything. The good news, He is for you and not against you. He's hidden there for you and not from you. Seek him and find him. Seek like a king before you share as a priest. What you begin to find and uncover will cross the boundary of word only and enter into your own truth. You'll begin to live there. Let's close by asking Father God to show us what he's doing today. Ask him, Father, what is today about? Personalize this. If you know you're facing a difficult challenge of some sort today, ask him about that specifically. Ask what he would do. Find the peace. Release and bless anyone you may be holding resentment towards. Make sure it's real and God's help will become real. We're not built to live on our own finite supply. We need His. We need all that Jesus paid for. What is your Father doing today? What is He saying? Find out. Write it down. Giving your thoughts a chance to get grounded as you're writing them out. This is it. This is how Jesus lived. He did what He saw His Father doing. He said what He heard the Father saying. I pray blessings on you. May you be prosperous today from the inside of your spirit, through your soul, and then out into every circumstance of your day. May joy, hope, peace overflow from within you abundantly. God is not short on encounters, my friend. I pray that the supply of heaven fill your life with infinite wealth in Jesus' name. To learn more, visit our website at BiblesForAll.com where you'll be able to buy a book and give a Bible. Our vision is that every man, woman, and child can have access to a Bible in their own language. We have adopted a sustainable business model to help achieve this. 
visit Bibles for All today to learn more about how you can fill your bookshelf with the very best in Christian literature, while at the same time filling the world with the Word of God. You can also learn about our Book of the Month Club, where you can receive a book and give a Bible each month. Find out more at BiblesForAll.com today. On our next episode, we're continuing to adventure through the book of John. We'd also like to ask you to help us out by posting a rating or review today. Podcasts these days survive off ratings and reviews. We'd love for more people to hear these. And so if you like what you're hearing, then please give us a rating or even better, give us a full review. Take a look in the episode for other options to join. Click the link in the description to join our growing community online.